hello and welcome to this trial round of what we have called NSF Talks. Uh, NSF Talks is a brand new series uh, to dive deeper than ever before into the complexity of Norwegian Spitfire Foundation, our mission and the various of people that are involved in helping us achieve our goals. And that is to acquire, restore, operate and maintain Spitfires. So we'll see how this uh, podcast will pan out in the future. Um, but for now, let's just bring in our guest and trial guest for today, Knut Osamir. Uh, and as you might uh, hear already, we're doing this in English uh, to reach as many people as possible. So bear with us any strange sentences and anything that doesn't really sound like proper English uh, will do our best. Um, just a little bit info on our guest. Uh, Knut is part of our PR section. He specifically, specifically deals with filming and video editing. And you have more than likely seen his work on uh, work for NSF on YouTube. Knut has been with us for several years and have become a vital part of our media structure. So welcome, Knut. Thank you. Thank you. Any thank you, any right. any first words you would like to tell the audience? Well, uh, this is uh, a very it's a privilege. I haven't actually done any podcasts uh, before, so this will be interesting for not just for uh, the audience, you know, forgive our English, but uh, definitely for myself too. Since now I have to come up with some clever remarks. Yes, good. Yeah, um, yes. For those who do not know you, um, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I'm thinking like education or studies. Yeah. Or, yes. I uh, I began. Um, well, my education is a bit uh, going in both directions. Um, people who follow me now might know that I'm. Uh, um, that I am uh, working towards becoming a professional pilot, a commercial pilot. But I started uh, as a film student in uh, Trondheim in 2011. I started uh, education as a, a video producer, film uh, uh, critic. So it's basically a, a bachelor where you learn how to produce film and video and all the uh, different details to it so directing audio recording uh, camera work and uh, film critics so uh, reviewing other films and uh, analyzing them and so on so uh, that was my that's my uh, you could say my formal education and uh, during that time i uh, i my interest in aviation grew uh, very much i uh, before before i started this education i basically had two two dreams that both were kind of, <laughs> I would say both were uh, very ambitious. One was either wanted to be uh, an actor in theater or in film or anything, uh, anything to do with, with uh, the, uh, you know, the creative arts. Mm. And the other one was to be a pilot. And those two things don't really mix well. Uh, I, I remember I also read uh, in my studies that they made these psychological tests to find out what kind of persons are uh, suitable or suiting different work kinds of work. And they basically had you have artists and painters on one end and then you have engineers on the other. They don't really mix well, but it's interesting to see that most engineers too they have a sort of a creative workflow too i mean you don't learn you don't 
create something out of nowhere, uh, even if it's uh, you know a space shuttle or an airplane. So um, the uh, the education brought critical thinking to me very early on. So just from the beginning of my education and. I started thinking very much critically about everything I do and every other people's work, uh, both both um, film and, uh, and the writing and everything. So, you know, don't take anything for granted. Always try and find it, that second view and see if you can find your own personal uh, view on things. So that's where I began. And that um, lasted then to 2014. And a bit into 2015, as I failed a couple of exams, so not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all fail at some exams. Uh, so um, that's where I had that as a background. And okay. during that time, I got really interested into aviation. Uh, can, I, can I ask you, um, can I ask you, was there any you know, specific situation or incident that made you interested? Was it something that like boosted your your interest in historic mm. aviation? Uh, yeah, it's a great question since I don't really have an answer that tells how it began. It's sort of, um, it's uh, because you, I, you, you don't realize it in the moment, I think, uh, when things change. But uh, it definitely started with simulators. Uh, I'm not a very crafty person. I can barely hold, you know, a spanner and a screwdriver. So I'm not uh, an, a modeler. So I, I don't build model airplanes. But for me, it began with with simulators. All right, uh, uh, we're talking about um, computer. Uh, yeah, computer like, simulators. Like Microsoft Flight Simulator or yes. SSI or Warbirds or anything, you know. My, yeah, exactly. My my first simulator ever was uh, my father had a, a work laptop. This was in. 2001 or 2002 or something. Uh, so having a laptop in that time even was very expensive, but he had it for work, and it was you know the size of a the size of a you know the size of a today's fridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. So um, so uh, yeah, that that was Microsoft Flight Simulator 2000. That was the first my first grasp of of sort of game. I mean, I right. never had a computer before, uh, so and I didn't really understand much of it. That was how it began. Okay, good. Um, because uh, from from that perspective, we shared the same background. Because my first, you know, um, experience with flying came from Microsoft Flight Simulator '95, which yes. was even, you know, pre 2000. Um, and you were and lucky. I, you were lucky if you had. Uh, any shapes at all you couldn't see anything <laughs> we i experienced you know our first uh first flight with other aircraft you know with with real people um behind the computer so that was like my first that wow. was my first experience back in 98 or 99 it's like yeah really yeah. you know uh vintage stuff these days i mean that that's that's what well, that is the amazing part since uh, my interest, okay, I played Microsoft 2000 a lot on my own, uh, but you know, it really peaked when I uh, got my own computer in the middle of secondary school. So that's when I was 14 years old or 15 years old, something around mm. that. I got my first computer, mm. so I had the choice to 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 do what I wanted myself at my own time. Uh, since my father, obviously, his computer was only available, you know, maybe couple of times a month uh so um did I he 
Did he have any interest in historic aviation, your father? No, no. <laughs> but he, <laughs> has, he, he, he needed to have an interest in aviation for schedules because he was flying abroad internationally for business every week, like three times a week. So he needed to know every schedule. Like, uh, when does the flight go from here to there at this time, at this day? So he, he had everything in his head. <laughs> right. Because my first my first uh, memory of historic aviation came, you know, back when I was maybe six or seven, when my dad was reading me um, these this, uh, cartoons or these comic books uh, called Povingina, which was, yeah. I think it's called Aces High or something in, in, in England. Uh, and he read that to me. I think I was like six or seven years old. It was. I, st I still remember that uh, uh, that specific story. Uh, it had to. It, it dealt with uh, a mosquito crew getting shot down by uh, a Messerschmitt comet. It, it was. It was. Uh, it was amazing uh, as a yeah. six, seven-year-old guy. Um, but you know, moving on. Um, how did you get involved with NSF? Yeah. It's another great question since it all sort of started from from small, very small steps, and uh, then it just grew and grew. And I think where it began was with you. I mean, I think I contacted you. Really? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was, think... I thought I was getting in touch with you because I saw those those YouTube videos with Rolf yes. Arnberg. I have no idea. It's it's, it's been yeah, so no, long. Th that's true. So so you responded to to those videos that I made. Again, uh, that was again a combination of what I said before. The the simulators brought me into the historic aviation area. So flying um, Isle Two Sturmovik and Cliffs of Dover, some or some old um, old flight sims, and I made films in them. I wanted to recreate historical events, and one of them was the three three one. Squadron with Rolf Annenberg as the main protagonist, obviously, since he is the most famous one of all the Norwegian pilots. Uh, and you saw it and you commented on it. And I think that sparked an interest in me that I wanted to work closer together and make more historical content. Uh, and that's when I realized that you were making, uh, you were about to debut your Spitfire Glory book about Life Lundstern. That's exactly. what I thought. Ah, oh, that's an avenue I can go. That's something that no one has done before yet. Uh, a sort of step-by-step um, -step visualization of a book. Uh, in a, you know, usually it's either a large film or a, or some kind of a review. But I want this to be sort of a page-by-page -page, um, way. So we did that with the uh, Circus Two Six Seven and uh, two more episodes. And yeah, I the, the shooting down of the Junkers Eighty Eight. Yeah. Uh, in May of 1943. Yes, 8th yeah. of May, actually. So it was 8th of day. May. Yeah. And and then you did uh, one where he was uh, test flying Spitfires from Chattis yeah. and Yeah. Exactly. And I think those three f films sort of cemented my interest in, you know, my already my dream of flying, which sort of didn't go on since I didn't have the education required. I, I mean, I, I applied for I applied for Tromsø, the flight school in Tromsø, but they need you need to have a maths degree and a physics degree uh, from uh, from um, high school or whatever it's called in English. And I don't have that. So me neither. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that's sort of well, and I started to film instead. That was my secondary. I uh, yeah. Because idea. When, when do you remember when your uh, the, your your first 
uh, you know, task or or, or mm. what you did, you know, for the first time. What were your what, what did you do with NSF? Like, what, what was your first first task? The, the first the first thing I did was uh, you invited me to Flydagen or the annual air show at Kjellir in 2016. So we just finished the first episode, I think it was, of, uh, of uh, Life Lundsten, Spitfire Glory, uh, in February or something. And uh, and then you invited me to go to Kjellir. And I'd been at Kjellir uh, once before, but not related to, uh, to NSF or anything. Uh, so that's how it began. Very uh, interestingly, I thought, okay, I'll just bring my small portable video camera and I'll uh, film some stuff. Uh, and that's how it began. And there was no real plan, but I knew that the hurricane was coming. Hurricane to Shelley, that was the big event. Uh, and that was huge for me since I've been flying hurricanes in simulators for like four years. So I was absolutely, I was just uh, breath taken you know by <laughs> i was just could only say wow that was the only thing i could say when it passed the first time so i guess that's how it began and yeah, i put and that then we, yeah. we i'm sorry uh we did go to flying legends that year too didn't we yeah exactly and the, it, yeah. That, that's that, that's just how the things just rolled on like a roller coaster it, it, it started very small with our little with a little documentary series and then started again we just a small introduction into the community at Shelley. And from then on, it just went mm. like Be overdrive. Yeah, because we, well, I or we, we did realize that uh, we had some photographers, uh, but I, I'm not a very good photographer, but we had no, uh, you know, we had no video guy. And that was, that was lacking within within the foundation mm. because we need someone to, to document, but, but also to create art, uh, which you serve a purpose uh, quite well because uh, you know, visualization and and someone to with a know-how to to make these videos, which is basically well, there are you know people within this community that really makes good videos, but uh, it, overall it, it's sort of lacking, wouldn't you say? Mm. I think um, there is the um, truth is there are, and this is again back to when I was at uh, university. Um, the thing is uh, starting to think critically. Uh, and how you can make a difference since there are, they can be, uh, the, the, the good thing with today and modern technology is that everyone can make films. And the problem is that everyone can make films. So it means that you need to have a sort of, um, uh, you need to set yourself a high, higher standard and be very critical of what you do. Uh, or else, uh, yeah, if you don't have a threshold, you can, you can just become dull and start to accept uh, a routine. So I always try and uh, think slightly different. Each time I make a video, it's d a bit different. And I get usually um, criticized for that, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's funny to see when pe some people write comments that, uh, oh, they, I didn't like uh, that you put music here, or I just want to hear this or that. And and I th and that's interesting since, again, it's different camps. Um, but um, some people just want to hear the engines. And I want to include those people. And some people want to have a whole, a whole uh, or that's, I guess, me. That's more me. I want to have a full, a full um, picture with the feelings and emotions I have when I'm editing it in the moment. And that usually includes music mm. and a specific way of uh, cutting it together. And that pace can be different from every time and every air show. 
So it's very dynamic when I uh, make something. It's never, uh, I don't really have a plan ahead of time when I editing it. I have a plan before I start recording, you know, where to be, what to do, where to mount stuff, uh, what I need to focus on. But when I'm going to sit down and edit, I could take like, it could take me a couple of weeks just to uh, brainstorm what choice of music I'm going to use or try and find that zone of editing. Uh, so um, mm. I don't want to be repetitive. It's very easy to be repetitive in an air show aspect because you're on the sideline, you're watching the flight line, you're watching aircraft flying left to right, up and down, same path. Because, you know, there's restrictions and you're always at the same side uh, year after year. So I always look for ways to be inspired for each year. So it gets a bit different every year. One, uh, we all remember 2017. And yeah. for, those who, for those who do not know, that was when uh, RR232 came over with uh, the colors of, of Rolf Arneberg. Uh, when I say RR232, I mean, you know, a Spitfire Mark 9. And the Spitfire Mark 9 came over from England, piloted by uh, at least two Norwegian pilots, right, Knut? Uh, Lars Ness yes. and Eske Lamdal. Uh, and you were in the middle of that, uh, you know, quite heavily because this was your time to shine. So could you just, you know, go through that, those events and, and what you were doing when, when Rolf Arnebadi came back home, so to speak? Mm, that was, this is, what is amazing about that is, again, I just been, I just got into the foundation or the you know the community there. Uh, I was just in 2016, as we talked before. That was just a small beginning, and then the next year, this the most historical event in you know Norwegian uh, war history for aviation terms. Rolf Annenberg returning home. Well, at least a, for us, or at least for yeah, me for us. personally. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, I. Even before I was part of uh, the foundation and I, I knew about Rolf Annenberg and how tragic his death was and how meaningless it seemed to be in the in the big picture and the big aspect. So being able to bring his aircraft home in the, as a symbol was amazing. And uh, it was not, it was uh, the, what I remember most is the collective effort. I mean, uh, we I need to mention Eirik Östenskjö, which is our photographer too. But he introduced me to the to the aviation scene or the community uh, on the on the western part of the country at Stavanger and Sula. Uh, so he managed to get me, you know, introduced there and uh, and uh, and get me on the air show scene there. Uh, so that helped me a lot for me to, you know, since I'm, again, this is only my, this is basically my first serious season. 2016 was a warm up and 2017 was the very first test. So I had my, I upgraded my equipment. I had gotten a new sound equipment, new camera. Uh, and now I actually have to prove myself. <laughs> <laughs> so very, very good help from Eirik. Uh, he helped yeah. me a lot. He he made a massive effort uh, throughout that entire year. Uh, we we have to put him on this podcast in the future just to talk to him as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he has good stories too. So, uh, uh, but uh, I guess if you want uh, again that the 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 um, the. Um, the build-up to that event is what really drives me, and that's you know 
when you are there, you can't really believe you're there. Since you are so focused on your work, you want to make sure that you get everything done. Since it only lasts, you know, five seconds or let's say 10 seconds at best, uh, there's a flyby that lasts 10 seconds. So you, you, you've done all the preparations just for 10 seconds. <laughs> so and the nerves come in very easily then. And uh, yeah, it's, e it's easy to forget uh, things when but, things happen quickly. Those videos really worked out in the end because they are supreme in all sorts of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you. we we have to uh, continue our, our talk here, uh, just changing the subject a little bit. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about what you call Spitfire Sons and uh, that event too. Uh, yes, I um, Spitfire Sons is basically uh, my uh, sort of uh, most most um, demanding project in terms of uh, again the, coming back to the self criticism since I had an amazing opportunity to record um, the moment that uh, uh, relatives and sons of uh, Spitfire pilots that flew during the Second World War they were going to be flying and then Spitfire themselves as well so it's sort of a for them, for them, it must have been an amazing, you know, uh, uh, full circle fulfillment that they had. They they know about either their father or their relatives have been uh, pilots during the war, and now they can try and get some kind of a glimpse of how it must have been for them. Uh, and I wanted to get that feeling into the into that film. Uh, and again, I was invited by Lars Lars Ness in just. I think a month prior to the happening. So I just had to book a flight <laughs> and get over there. And that was fantastic. I think um, um, just uh, why it was so uh, challenging for me was that I I, uh, I, um, well, I wanted to do more than what I could, but I'm only one person. So I realized I, there's only so much one person can do. So I um, it took me a whole year to to you know find all the motivation to finish it since my inspiration comes in waves so I, I can't be a, a production line a film producer so I'm a, I'm an absolute terrible film producer if I'm supposed to be on a broadcasting service <laughs> since I can't make stuff 24/7 or on a regular basis so inspiration comes in waves it might be a weekend where I'm really inspired and I can do a lot of work and then I then uh, there might be three weekends where I do nothing, and then it comes back again, and then I redo it, and I remake it, and I re recompose it a bit here and there. So oh yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's the same yeah. with me it, when I was writing books, at least. It, you you can't force that stuff. It just has to come natural. Yeah. Uh, whenever. So it another, took it took, it took about event, a though. whole year. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, another event though, uh, which was mm. very important for uh, NSF and the launch of. Uh, the restoration of PL258 was uh, mm. the event that was held at Akershus Festning, uh, and you were a major part of that too, um, making and editing a video with old recordings of pilots, but also uh, putting your own touch to it, so to speak. So, uh, any any good memories from from that event? Oh, uh, that the the that is my most memorable event of all of um, all my. My small uh, video making career is just um, when we had we worked so long. Uh, our little group of uh, of uh, the foundation, uh, we were you know coming together, 
uh, weeks after week after week, uh, reviewing uh, the uh, the film slowly coming together, being refined, being changed here and there, uh, and then we just found it. I think we just found that that theme and that message that is that you obviously hopefully you know uh, feel as well when you watched it and when we premiered it at uh, Arkashus, uh, they were representatives of the state, they were minister, the Minister of Defense was there, uh, representatives of the Air Force and the military and relatives of uh, the veterans, uh, sons of the veterans. Uh, you know, there were, the, 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 the mood was amazing. And then for me, having the honor of presenting that film and showing it to all of them, that was my uh, uh, most uh, nerve-wracking moment. <laughs> so what, what was going through your mind? Was it like, oh God, please do not make my laptop break down yes. right now? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was. That, um, that would have been mine. <laughs> I, I was, that was very much, uh, that was, uh, that was the second worst. The, the worst would have been, would have been that the video wouldn't, play and it just would crash at the middle of the uh, of the video um, and then I have to sort of scramble and get it running again because it's part of a presentation so you can't just go backwards. Uh, the second one was that, that I was looking over and I saw, I, I saw at the audience, okay, they're watching, so everything is working fine and then I just glance over to the right and I see that the middle monitor just went black and I wondered what the what happened <laughs> so i looked over and uh, saw that my uh, uh, that my uh, computer was on screensaver it went on screensaver for like half a second that was real annoying <laughs> <laughs> but it was so quick that no one noticed since the, it, i think there were four monitors or so three monitors there so if one of them went black the two others were still playing so that was good so it, uh, it didn't disappear well yeah I, well, sadly i wasn't there because i had some issues to deal with but uh I think that what you know, what people remember from that event, uh, mainly was your video because it it sort of uh, touched upon a certain nerve uh, with uh, people who was interested in the subject, but also with families, you know, with relatives, and 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 so so I think everyone came away from that uh, event with uh, the video that you made, like in in the back of their mind, wouldn't you say? Uh, I still remember Cliff Cliff Spink. He he was going to have the presentation of the contribution of the Norwegian airmen and or the air forces two squadrons in the Royal Air Force after that film and he was I, I remember his Hermes words clearly you know he's he said uh, how am I going to overdo this you know over to do better than that <laughs> <laughs> he's there in this full gala uniform and and here's him eyes. He's not even. I not, haven't even served in the uh, in the in the military. I didn't get. I didn't get through the needle. So that was a huge honor to know to know that he recognized and uh, you know acknowledged my work. That was right. Very and good. Uh, well, we could talk about that all day long. All mm -hmm. this event. But uh, moving on just a little bit. Uh, I know that you've been you know in the backseat of. Mustang or the Sea Fury <laughs> and Harvard. So what's that like? Uh, I think a lot of people want to know, and I've written an article about that. Um, uh, I think a lot of people really want to know what it's like just for a guy with your background in simulations and and you know combat stuff on a computer. And what's it like to be uh, in the okay. backseat of one of those bad boys? First thing I can say right off straight off the bat is that all the simulator 
is goes away in an instant. I mean, it's completely night and day. You can't compare it. <laughs> yes, you're at home and you're comfortably in your seat and it's nice and warm and, and you are in no danger whatsoever and you're watching a blank screen uh, compared to you sitting on top of a, the, the most amazing uh, beast of a machine with more noise than the loudest racket of hell. It was amazing. <laughs> I just was blown away. I was, I was, I was, uh, I had, um, I had a, how do you say, I had a sensory overload. It's the best I can come close to. <laughs> I started, we flew the Sea Fury first, since we were going to do um, aerobatics, do the aerobatic uh, display, or, or uh, Lars in the, the Mustang, uh, with Eirik in the back. And me and Eskil in the Sea Fury, they, they were going to practice their formation, their duo formation flying and display. And uh, it's just that that engine in the, that Pratt & Whitney 2800 uh, and the Rolls Royce Merlin, when they open up on the on the runway, uh, you, 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 you forget everything. It's just you just live in that moment and you forget everything about what you thought you knew about flying. <laughs> uh, now, um, what's interesting is that I um, I'm uh, at that time I'm still I said I'm I'm still a commercial pilot student, but at that time I hadn't started my flying yet. I was just finishing PPL theory, so I was all about uh, what does the uh, what does the engine do if you throttle up and what happens if you bank a bit or what happens if you. Uh, throttle a bit too much uh, during uh, takeoff and don't uh, do this and that. And uh, everything was about a tiny little continental engine with uh, like 100 horsepower. <laughs> and then you're strapped on top of a, of this huge tower of a machine. The Sea Fury is like what is it, 10 feet tall. It's crazy high. Yeah, it's, you're on it's top amazing. of the world. I was literally, I felt like I was, I was sitting there. I, I, I'm, I felt I was afraid of falling down. <laughs> And then you open up with two and a half thousand horsepower. It's just amazing. What did you do up there? Did you did you take photographs or did you did you film? I uh, was filming, um, and that again, my filming was absolutely terrible at the beginning <laughs> since I was oh I I couldn't think straight. I was okay. I'm so I, I I had a plan before. Like yes, I'm going to hold the camera here and I'm going to focus through this area because the bubble is a bit. Um, the, uh, the 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 canopy of the sea fury particularly has a lot of odd edges in the plexiglass so it it disturbs the uh, what's it the line of light so it, everything gets distorted so i had to try and find a spot in that bubble where the line would not be distorted so the mustang wouldn't look like you know a cartoon um uh, yes, and uh, I, all those plans just went away when we throttled down the runway at full power, and I, I forgot everything. Where, where, where was I supposed to have the camera? What, what am I going to do? Oh, <laughs> it was so, yeah, an overload. But after, after that, after a couple of minutes, I managed to calm down and uh, really focus on hand. And then it was just, I was in the zone. I, I don't know how long we were flying. Did you fly for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 10 minutes? It all just was a rush. And I was focusing on filming and avoiding the G's and the bumps and everything. And I was, I, I, you know, I never felt so much alive in those two aircraft doing that, flying, uh, sorry, filming. I, I didn't really have time to think of what I was doing. And then when I landed, after I landed, that's when the adrenaline sort of, you know, came 
came out, that's when you felt like, wow, I've done something that, you know, a boy, a boy dreams of, and then you, you done it. And then after you feel all the emotions come sort of, you get, you get exhausted just for flying half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well described. Yes. Are, are you working on any uh, NSF videos at the moment or uh, are we waiting for the airshow season to, to start? Um, I still have stuff from 2017 that's still coming soon. Uh, so that, that those those are <laughs> I can't say those are coming soon, but uh, I've been working on a really long um, film. Uh, it's more for me though. It's more it's um it's a sort of a meditating film for me. I am um, you know it's with COVID uh, been and the lockdown now lasting two years soon. Uh, well, it will last for two years, I'm, I guess, but it's last for one and a half year now. Uh, and in that time, in the middle of my education, it sort of crashed my education too, since you know I was ready to to move on with the education and keep keep the keep the pace. And then COVID arrived and everything halted, and uh, and you were left to be isolated at home. Uh, that gave me a lot of time to look back on on my on my memories and. Uh, I sort of found a way to make a film that now lasts about 50 minutes, almost the same time uh, time of as Spitfire Suns, and it's basically just a collection of my memories and my, uh, yeah, it's sort of a visual visual uh, montage uh, of things that I think of most of the time, and it's not I don't I I don't actually plan of releasing it. Uh, oh, that's and, too bad. That's too bad. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to release it internally for NSF and and our our followers and our friends, right. but um, it won't be public. Uh, it's it's not because I don't want it to be public, but um, I um, you know since it's, it's since it's uh, not only the foundation, but it's also part of my flight school. And uh, there's a policy, and there's no video or photo of the uh, of uh, of uh, those things and that, and that's a policy that you have in companies too in airlines so it's that's perfectly okay so uh, okay. well uh, it's um, it's more of a as i said it's more of um yeah it's a sort of a meditatory can you say that meditatory but uh, it just making it is a meditation to me that i can find some times in a weekend after uh, studying a whole day uh, I, if I have the energy, I, I I can do a bit of editing, and that's taken me about a year now to do this yeah, video. Yeah, I, I I see what I see what you mean because I, uh, I I just made a book for myself that I just called I call it how to write books and other stories, and I just I, I just you know wrote a little bit of summary, uh, you know from each book I, I wrote and uh, uh, put some photos in there from from Duxford and from when I was a, mm. when I was a kid with uh, with Old Crow the P fifty one in the background just just sort of just to, to sum things up when you see yeah. that there's you know, you know there's a new chapter I'm not saying that I'm not gonna do any more books but I don't have the time right now so it's just yeah. like just to just to close that chapter so I I, I do see what you mean so I um, think uh, yeah if I can add in there it, it brought me it brought me. Uh, like, why are we doing this? Why are we making these recollection videos or or these photos or writing? It's because it matters to us, and especially now when we've been in lockdown for so long and we haven't been able to take part in it anymore. We've been away from air shows. We've been away from the people. I mean, the people are really what I love to 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 be with. This all the people that are like you who are 
excited and interested in 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 aviation and history and all of us being together in one massive community like legends and uh, battle britain show uh, and our local shows in norway all those things are amazing and it's been one year and might be a second year without it and that's yeah. why i think that's that's how my um, shark film the um, memories of the shark that's how that came through in october of uh, last year uh, it was when I realized that hmm, there's not going to be anything this, you know, the uh, uh, most likely next year either, and there's been nothing this year. So it was a sort of um, in in it was a counter reaction to all the studying. I needed to express something since I knew I was going to miss it for one year or maybe two. Right. So yeah. so so coming coming out of this, you know, in terms of COVID and stuff, what's what's your hopes and hopes for the future in terms of NSF and the restoration of PL258 and any thoughts on that? Mm. And one, yes, by the way, I do have a, a mystery question to round, round things off, so you have to <laughs> prepare yourself for that one. But first of all, what's your hopes for the future? Yes, uh, I my hopes for the future personally is that I will finish the education more or less on time now. I am about a year, about a year um, delayed, combination of COVID and uh, myself as i mean uh, you always you always underestimate how long it takes <laughs> of, of everything from video production to whatever it is yeah always underestimate it and i certainly did that with my commercial training so i'm 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 about uh, three quarters of a year delayed so i i am um, i'm i'm i really want to finish uh, commercial training so that i can move on and hopefully find a job and that is obviously not very easy now with the covid and everything but i'm hopeful that i'll find find a, a little place that that i can thrive as a as a pilot you know my my dream my dream as a pilot uh, is to be a bush pilot that doesn't have to be a specific type of bush pilot but uh, i just want to i just want to fly in remote areas where people are uh, depend upon dependent on aircraft to to survive or or to to go where they need to go or you know it's it's a sort of a lifeline because there's no road so there's no other network so you need aircraft to get to there and I, that's very it's sort of a romantic feeling uh, but not very exotic yeah but uh, let's see how realistic it is uh, I I hope that's that is one of my goals to reach and I am uh, talking to some instructors they say well do do that first don't do that second since if you get into like an airliner and get comfortable you know flying in a pressurized cabin and you get food and service and you fly an autopilot and you know all the <clears throat> all the things you know then you go to minus 40 degrees celsius uh, in freezing areas where it's cold and snow and ice uh no that's going to be more difficult <laughs> to convert backwards so yeah so what about nsf though um mm. any ideas about the pl258 and the restoration I, I I really really enjoy the way the PL258 is going. In you know, it is a real is an aircraft with real history in terms of the people, all the ground crew and all the pilots. Uh, it's it represents all the united effort that uh, the Norwegian forces did out abroad. You know, it's not just the air force, but the, uh, everyone everyone who decided to make a decision to to leave the country or, you know, flee the country during occupation, travel all around the world to make a difference and make Norway 
free again and, and make it the way we want it as our own country. And I think uh, it's, it, it represents that will, will to, to uh, take the decision which is full of risk and full of uh, danger. And just, you know, it, it, uh, thinking if, if I was supposed to be in the same situation, would I take that decision? Um, that's, that's where I think the appeal to Fomei comes in as all those people from the ground crew up to the Air Force, to the merchant seamen, to um, the commandos, to the saboteurs, everyone, they made a decision to make a difference uh, despite uh, of the dangers. Uh, so that's that's w what drives me with the 258 project, and it's a, and it has a, a real history. It's uh, it's certified as the real aircraft. Uh, you know, it even had the serial number on the parts. So, yeah, it's that, amazing. That is a good answer. So I, I almost feel bad for asking another one because we should have just ended with that. But <laughs> I have to, I, I do, I have to ask you one more more question, and you have to think real hard on that one. Uh, what type of mark of Spitfire do you prefer? Oh, and why? Okay. Oh, oh, how to end? You, yeah. I really, I love the the PR Spitfire, the um, the uh, eleven. I love it because it's it's sort of the Mark Nine. That's all, you know, all all made for. For 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 as a racer, it's you know clean and sleek, and it's it's like a perfect machine for for a pilot. It's you know it's it's a extension of of the human spirit to go up and fly. I feel like the yeah the PR PR eleven is beautiful, uh, but as a you know as a as a as a fighter, that it was its primary role as an interceptor to go climb as high as possible and get get down and shoot uh, shoot uh, incoming aircraft as a defensive fighter. I, I really love the Mark One too, but again, and I'm thinking again of how would I have been, how how would I how would I have coped as a fighter pilot in the Norwegian squadron? Uh, it would have been the Mark Nine. That's what they flew. Oh, now you're and, on three Spitfires. It's, is that just one? <laughs> yeah, well, I will have to end it with uh, the Mark Nine. The, the I'm, Mark. I'm all, I'm, I'm boring. I'm boring. Mark Nine, but the it's, Mark it's, Nine. It, it's because there are, you know, it's all about the history of the people. It's not the plane. It's what the, it's what all those uh, airmen did and the stories they told while flying or servicing one, or you know, being around a Mark Nine is basically telling the stories of people. And that's why I prefer the Mark 9. Fantastic answer. Okay, so this is a trial round. Uh, we do think it went quite well, uh, but we're going to end it now. Uh, we've been talking for about 45 minutes or something. Um, wow, that went quick. Yeah, and any, any last words? Um, I'm okay. I don't have any last words. You answered my most important question with the Mark Nine. So I think uh, uh, ho hopefully we'll see more videos from you in the future. <laughs> yes, I, I think I think uh, I can end by saying that I'm absolutely incredibly humbled to be part of this incredible community. There is no, there's nothing else I want to be than to be here and and tell the stories of of all those people. And, uh, and and everything we do is full of passion. That's what's wonderful, is that we want to do 
things for passion and for dreams and not for you know profit or right that is that beautiful that is good words that is good last words okay so uh from nsf talks um we'll just say bye for now goodbye